millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's up, everybody, and welcome to The Reluctant Historian. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. I'm your host, Liz Lawson, and this is our Reluctant Historian, Dakota Lawson. On this podcast, I'll share a story from history, and he'll share his unapologetic thoughts and opinions. So, if you love history, or you absolutely hate it, this podcast is for you. Alright, so it is October. It is spooky season. (laughs) So I've decided that for each episode in October... I'm going to do a spooky episode. Well, how original. Shut up. <laughs> no, I'm into it. I'm into a spooky, uh, as long as it doesn't scare me too much. I know. I was thinking about like having to do research and about like scary things. And then I was like, oh, I don't know if this is a good idea or not. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't research anything on demons and you'll be fine. No, I those wouldn't. Freak, those freak you the fuck out. They do, so. yeah. Um, yeah, so for this podcast, we are doing a brief history of witches. Oh, cool. Yes. I'm I'm into witches. Uh, not, not like witches. Witches can be cool. I'm not a huge fan of what they do with them on uh, American Horror Story, but I think that they have potential to be cool. You know, mm. you got Scarlet Witch from Marvel. Yeah, she's pretty cool. She is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm interested. Yeah. Well, so fun fact: in my history undergrad, when I took that, I did actually take a whole university course on witches. So from September to December, every Tuesday and Thursday, I learned about witches. Why? And how much money did this class cost? I don't know. It was part of my history degree. Oh. However much a history class takes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That just seems like uh, a little bit of a waste, but... What? Why? (laughs) You sound so offended. Yeah, I am offended because it was so good. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. (laughs) It was one of my favorite classes ever. Good. Oh. Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Anyways, so sit down, buckle up, and get ready to listen to the history of witches. I'd like to begin by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement and recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations in Canada. So, Coda, what's your golden nugget? Well, I'm a basketball star now. (laughs) So, I realized that there is a basketball hoop across the street from our house in the park. So, twice now, I have uh, gone there and played basketball. For about 20 minutes. Yeah. Because I'm really out of shape. Yeah. But it's ridiculously fun. And I don't usually like anything sports related. Yeah, that's true. So. I just don't understand because basketball's not fun. So why is that? Why do you see. I don't know. I don't want to run around after a ball. Okay. Well, so um, 
I know you're not really into any other sports other than uh, wrestling and swimming and swimming and <laughs> horse riding. Horse, you're you're just <laughs> saying all the sports that are like sports wrestling is a real sport <laughs> Sorry, i did in quotations for you audio <laughs> listeners um, but yeah but when you think immediately jump to sports no one's like ah swimming or wrestling or horseback riding i think all they of those are things, sports of course those are like the first things i think of but yeah but that's because you do those things They're a horse of course a horse of course <laughs> but uh if you like horses you should watch bojack horseman on netflix i tried it and like it really mm-hmm. it's so fucking funny well <laughs> it's a great show the listeners know what i'm talking about they do so yeah so i'm uh trying to get a little bit of uh physical activity reliving your one tree hill days yes because i've been also slowly rewatching one tree hill and uh you know i was picturing as i was there i told you this earlier but i'll tell the listeners i was picturing myself i was like dribbling all cool and like going out of my legs and i was picturing a scout being there Mm -hmm. and watching and be like hey kid you got moxie Uh, i don't know what that means but i've heard that before moxie yeah it's like a little certain je ne sais quoi Hey, kid, you got a certain je ne sais quoi. Wow. Maybe uh, that's why our French listener doesn't listen anymore. Maybe. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and I was picturing that. I was like, wow, I'd be famous, you know? No, that'd be so nice for you. It would be. So, I don't know. It's just it's just fun trying to get a little bit in shape because I'm really out of shape right now. And you're going to so. start walking with me. Yeah, I guess. It'll be great. Yeah. What about you? What's your golden nugget? Well, listeners, or a lump of coal. Well, I don't have a lump of coal, but no? listeners, you may have noticed I am lacking in energy today, <laughs> which is a direct result from my golden nugget, where last night I hung out with my friends. Between the three of us, we shared four bottles of wine. It's a lot. That is a lot of wine. So great night, less great day after. Still have to do the podcast because we are committed to you, listeners. Yeah, <laughs> but I am not feeling great. <laughs> oh, I don't I know th- if you can tell. Yeah, I was going to say I think they can tell. <laughs> yes, but don't you worry. My research is still like fire. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and you just got to bring the energy, babe. Yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. That's just what don't I'm talk here for. Too loudly in my ear. I. I can't help it when I get excited about something. So like we'll wi- see. Witches, yeah. Yeah, about witches. Yeah. So your sister, she was listening to our podcast a couple of weeks ago when I said I was a witch. Uh-huh. Uh, and she told me that I'm a vibes witch. And that ah. she's a forest and vibes witch. And that your mom is a garden witch, which I'm, like, super into. And well, I don't know if there are actually, like, real classifications of witches, but I'm into it. And I am a Pokemon witch. You're not a witch. Wizard, whatever, okay? <laughs> We're doing this whole gender thing. You're a nothing. Oh, how dare you? I If you can be a witch, why can't I be a witch? Actually, you can. Thank you. I'm a Pokemon witch. I'll get into it earlier, later. I'll okay. get into it later. Okay. So witches have a long history and have appeared in various forms throughout history. Generally, the stereotypical images that come to mind are those of the evil wart-nosed women huddling over a cauldron, boiling liquid, casting spells kind of like Macbeth. I was just going to say, they're boiling hope and Jobin in trouble. Double, 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 poil and trouble. (laughs) That's the line. Um, And he even asked them, are you even women? Because they were so ugly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We also have the image of a hag-faced being, 
who rides through the sky on a broom in a pointy hat, kind of like the green witch from The Wizard of Oz. And we even have sexy, sexy witches that usually we see around Halloween time. <laughs> Those are um, girls in their early 20s. Yes. Though. They're, <laughs> they're not actual witches. No, but like the stereotypical, t- the stereotypical image of a witch. That's I what ge- I'm talking about. I guess. To, to me, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't see that as, I mean, I'm wrong, clearly, because you did looked into this and stuff like that. But like, I when I think about witches, you know, that's like saying like, basically, yeah, with Halloween, you could turn anything into sexy, I could be a sexy troll, you know, can you please be a sexy troll? Sure. I'll uh, buy the G-, G string for it. Good. Witches appear time and time again as a versatile synonym, 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 cinnamon. No. <laughs> Synonym? <laughs> Synonym, yes, thank you. Oh, actually? Yeah. Oh, I was just fucking with you, but uh, nailed it. Witches appear time and time again as a versatile synonym for evil and transgression. However, the real history of witches is nothing like these stereotypical images. It is dark and often for the witches, deadly. The history of witchcraft is actually really complex, as it is a common cultural practice across many different cultures over many different periods in history. So we can't really say that one thing or one way of practice is definitive. For the purpose of this podcast, I'll be looking at the history of the European witches and the witch hunts that occurred there, because that's where my ancestry can be traced back to. To begin, lots of people think that witches are a Christian invention. So, for example, the book of Exodus states, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. How- <laughs> but they weren't actually talking about witches. They, it was W-H-I-C-H. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However, the idea of a witch actually predates Christianity by many centuries. The book of Exodus is part of the Old Testament, which comes before Christ and before the Catholic Church became a thing. So, witches are not an invention of Christianity. They predate Christianity. We also see reference of witches in Homer's Odyssey, which is written in 800 BCE. He talks about Circe. Circe? Circe? Circe, Like maybe? from Game of Thrones? Well, C-I-R-C-E. Circe. 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 She is a lady who turns men into animals and is described as a witch. And <laughs> is it, isn't that what it... <laughs> Isn't that what all women do? Turn us into animals? Oh. I guess so. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> Oh, that was bad. Continue. And Plutarch, not the guy from Hunger Games, the Greek philosopher. Plutarch? Yes. Who the fuck was Plutarch in Hunger Games? I think he was the old, like, bad guy. Um, old bad guy? Oh, like the, the really old dude? The, the... Like, the snow? Snow guy? Yeah. Snow? I don't know. I just know Plutarch was in the Hunger Games, but oh. he's not this guy. Well, I have no idea. I haven't read or seen Hunger Games in a while. Yeah. So he refers to witchcraft in his essay called On Superstition, which was written in 100 AD. So again, before Christian Christianity. Illicit magic also features heavily in Roman law statutes, some of which were passed down to the Christian world. However, many of these early laws were really laws against sorcery, which is different than witchcraft. Uh, sorcery requires special skills, tools, and words, which is different from the witches who are more likely to be healing women. Early witches were people who practiced witchcraft using magic spells and called upon spirits for help or to bring about change. Most of these people were the natural healers or were so-called wise women whose choice of profession was misunderstood. Slowly, and in bits and pieces... The idea of the witch as an evil being emerged. Very broadly speaking, in the case of this definition, 
A witch is a person who employs magical entities that may include powers that she carries within her body to harm other people. She doesn't have to be a female. Yeah, see, it could be me. I could be a Pokemon witch. That's fair. And she doesn't have to have a hat or a broomstick. She, I don't have a broomstick. Well, you don't have to have one. I Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I, I, I think I'm a witch. She does, though, have to be marred or lopsided or weird looking, which also uh, you fit that definition. Shut up. <laughs> shut your goddamn mouth. <laughs> I, I, I used to be weird looking. Now I'm just hot. Per, pretty okay looking. <laughs> I don't want the, uh, I mean, of course I think that and you think that, but I don't want the listeners to think. I'm trying to be modest for got the it. listeners, dear. Got okay. It, got it. I'm average. <laughs> she has to be like the dead, hard and infertile, and she has to hate. Well, I have a list of enemies, if that helps. Perfect. This is just me, an episode about me convincing that I'm actually the witch in this yeah. relationship. Okay. <laughs> However, there is no particular moment in history when this definition of a witch was formed. As tradition carried on, people would often try to protect themselves from witches. They had lots of different practices to protect themselves, both in terms of their body and their house. So if you ever suspect one of your neighbors is a witch... Yeah, a witch I do... Do not ever let her have the last word in conversation. Anything she says must be thrown back at her before it infects you. Don't let her give you anything, especially anything connected with food, and absolutely do not eat any food or take any food from her itself. Ah, damn it. Doug gave me a Klondike bar last (laughs) week. Shit. Don't ever let her across your threshold and then use witch marks to stop her from crossing into your house or from allowing her familiars to cross into your house. Ooh, this is some, like, supernatural shit. Mm-hmm. Not not the, the concept, but the TV show. Yeah. That's what I'm referring to. But what's a familiar, you ask? Whoa. What is a familiar, I ask? Well, they were usually a small animal, sometimes as tiny as a housefly. The witch would feed this familiar, and in return, it would begrudgingly act out her commands. This is where the idea of a black cat being constantly around comes from. So the witch mark would stop her and her familiar from getting into your house and pestering you. So they're kind of like like little demons. They're not actually animals. They just take the form of a, an animal. Okay. For the early Christians in Britain, the world of magic, supernatural beings, and the devil was never far from the forefront of their mind. Pagan beliefs underscored much of early Christians' understanding of the Bible, and the Bible is often a mix of pagan beliefs with Christian trappings. Heck, Christmas and Easter are actually pagan holidays that Christianity superimposed itself onto. What the heck? However, this be- Oh my gosh, I can't wait to read you this part. Okay. However, this began to change around the 11th century when there was a strong desire to do away with the aspects of folklore or paganism that had been incorporated into Christian worship. People of the church began to scrutinize the way that the church and the people who carried out church duties were practicing their faith. Large monasteries over the 12th to 14th centuries became preoccupied with the problem of wet dreams. <laughs> Um, what is, what is this witch magic in my pants? Well, you're on the right track. (laughs) Sorry, I just want to, like, clearly a witch has, uh, has done this. I, uh, they, they put, put, um, uh, nonsense sexy dreams in, in my head and, uh, enforce this upon me. You're so right, actually. Actually, yeah. They questioned, was it sinful to have a wet dream? Monks reported that their nocturnal emissions were often the result of being pressed on or sat on by a human female figure. (laughs) 
And since no women were allowed in monastic dormitories, somebody suggested that the female figures might be devils capable of transforming themselves into the appearance of women in order to tempt monks into sexual sin. They believed that these demons wanted to produce offspring, and so they haunted the monastic dormitories to steal human seed in order to impregnate women with demon children. (laughs) So I tell you this story for a number of reasons. Because I'd enjoy it. (laughs) First, it shows us the first iteration of the idea of a succubus, Mm, which is a a sexy devil lady whose sole purpose is to tempt men to forego their faith. Second, it shows how absolutely terrified the men of the church were of female power, especially sexual power. And third, it starts to lay the groundwork for why people began to see witches as devilish beings who must be executed. Yeah, they the, clearly these these devil women make our, our um, see us men like to be in control. You know, that's that's like that's the cornerstone of being a man. Mm-hmm. So you got to be in control. So if if you're you're asleep and all of a sudden you know you go blam, all of a sudden you aren't in control of that, and that's not okay. So that's clearly. True. It's a woman's fault. Yeah, well, it's in this case, it's actually the devil's fault. It's like a devil. The devil woman's fault. Yeah, so the devil uh, steals the seed by right. pretending to be a woman and sitting on its Wait, genital but, area. But, like, so the devil does this while you're sleeping? Yes, and then so when you have your wet dream, yeah. you shoot into the devil demon, and then that devil demon goes and has sex with a, a witch. So. To make a baby, a demon baby. So the devil's having sex with monks? Uh, yes. Demons, not the devil. Right. He, he, uh, farms his sex out <laughs> to his demons. Yes. He can't be everywhere in once. He's not Santa. That's right. So. <laughs> yeah. Huh. I do, it was fun when I reread this, uh, fact. I was like, oh yeah, I remember learning about that. I feel like we took a, like, a whole two lessons on this part of the history of the oh, Christian really? church. <laughs> And your, t- your teacher was just really into wet dreams. <laughs> Let me tell you about these devil women, I'll tell you. Before 1400, it was rare for anyone to be persecuted for witchcraft, but the increasingly common persecution of heresy and failure to fully defeat these heretics paved the way for the later criminal persecution of witchcraft. Previously, those convicted of witchcraft typically suffered penalties no more harsh than public penances, such as a day in the stocks. But that was all about to change. In 1486, a hugely influential book was published called The Malleus Maleficarum, which translates to The Hammer of Witches. This book was essentially a guide on how to identify, hunt, and interrogate witches. The book elevated the practice of witchcraft to the criminal status of heresy, and it recommended that the secular courts prosecute it as such. Thus, witchcraft became a criminal act and a heretical one to boot. Both the Catholic and Protestant churches believe firmly in the dangers of witchcraft, because if they're getting banged by witches in the dreams. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And intense debate on the nature of witches preoccupied demonologists across Europe. Witch hunts were sponsored by both groups, and when witches became heretics to Christianity, witchcraft became the greatest of crimes and sins. In fact, it was crimen expectum, crime so foul that all normal legal procedures were superseded. So, can I stop you there for a second? I, I have to talk about this because we're going to jump back to wet dreams for a second. Oh, sorry. Okay? okay. So, I thought of this idea. It's called a wet dream trap. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it's uh, designed to trap demons. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what, what, you, what you do is, uh, this gets a little gross, just so you know. Oh, good. But, but I'll just uh, call it, you, you need the, uh, the seed of a male. And yes. you need to get a, uh, 
a box of sorts. Okay. And then you put a stick under that box, <laughs> right? Propping yeah. it up. You put the seed of a male, probably on a napkin or something, something you would clean it up with. Sock. A sock. You put it on a, on a sock. And, and then you just wait. And you, and then all of a sudden you catch a demon. That should be like, you know, some sort of, um, you know, uh, in those, uh, ghost busting shows, yeah. you know, those ghost catching shows. That's what they should be doing. Okay. So we got the seed of a male, we're going to put it under this box, and we're going to catch ourselves a demon. They should be doing that, clearly. They I just obviously haven't talked to you about it yet. Clearly not, but I think I have great ideas, I'm going to talk to... Who, who would... Who would... What network would do this? I don't know. Fox. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that one doctor lady that Trump was spouting said that demon seed... So I don't know something with COVID and oh, demons. Yeah, and so I, I mean, remember hearing something about that. So probably Fox. Yeah, yeah. Carry on. I just want to before I, you know, the moment was too far past. That's carry fair. on. The Malleus Maleficarum recommended not only torture but also deception in order to obtain confessions. They would promise to not put the victim to death if that person confessed to witchcraft. Which, once they did confess, they would be burned at the stake, as the death penalty was the only certain remedy against the evils of witchcraft. At the time of its publication, heretics were frequently put to death by being burned alive at the stake, and the Malleus encouraged the same to be done to the witches. So this book had a huge influence on the mass hysteria and witch hunts that gripped Europe from the 1500s to the 1700s. Following the publication of the Malleus Maleficarum, the practice of witchcraft became widely accepted as a real and dangerous phenomenon. People believed that witches were living in their midst and had to be stopped. Witches were now believed to reject Jesus Christ, to worship the devil and make pacts with him, selling their soul in, in exchange for Satan's assistance, to employ demons to accomplish magical deeds, and to desecrate the crucifix and the consecrated bread and the wine of the Eucharist. It was also believed that they rode through the air at night to secret meetings where they engaged in sexual orgies and even had sex with Satan. It was believed that they changed shapes from human to animal, from one human form to another. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> while he was having, while the devil was having sex with them? Um, maybe, but I don't think so. Okay, but I'm just thinking, like, say they turn into a goat or something like that, and then the witches can humiliate the devil by calling him goat fucker. That's probably what they did. Uh, they also, it was also believed that they kidnapped and murdered children for the purpose of eating them or rendering their fat into magical ointments. Well, you're a witch. You would know about that, right? The killing of children? And using their... I, mean, I do that all day long. Yeah. That's why I'm a teacher. I was going to say. Like... <laughs> Easy access. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> In order to rid themselves of these witches, people began to accuse women and some men of the crime of witchcraft and mass hysteria in the form of witch hunts were popular. Witch hunts varied enormously in place and in time, so I won't be talking about all of that here. Although next week, we will be looking at one in more depth. They were united by a common and coherent theological and legal worldview. Local priests and judges, though seldom experts in either theology or law, were nonetheless part of a culture that believed in the reality of witches as much as modern society today believes in the reality of molecules. Hmm. These witch hunts were fueled by fear, and charges of witchcraft were prompted by an array of suspicions. The most common suspicions concerned livestock, crops, storms, disease, property and inheritance, sexual dysfunction or rivalry, family feuds, marital discord, step-parents, sibling rivalries, 
and local politics. So literally anything about being alive. <laughs> Witchcraft was therefore a threat not only to individuals, but also to public order because a community racked by suspicions could be torn apart. So killing a witch usually would bring your community back together. <laughs> well, so sorry, dear, but I'm, I'm, uh, gonna have to end you you're the one that's the witch in this you know what i I shifted gears i shifted gears into because in that scenario i'd have to die right but in this scenario you get to thank you because accusations and trials of witches took place in both the church and secular courts the law played just as an important role as religion did in the witch hunts Local courts were naive and therefore more likely to be strict and even violent in their treatment of supposed witches than the regional or superior courts. Crude practices such as pricking witches to see whether the devil had desensitized them to pain or searching their bodies for the devil's mark, such as an oddly shaped mole or wart, or swimming, which is the practice of throwing the accused into a pond, and if she sank, she was innocent because the water accepted her, were more likely to occur at the local courts level. This mass hysteria and the belief in witches between 1482 and 1782 led to the accusations of around 100,000 people in Europe and the executions of approximately 40 to 50,000 people, with some sources citing 80,000 people. Holy shit. Most of the accused women were poor and elderly. Many were widows, and menopausal and postmenopausal women were disproportionately represented among them. Germany had the highest rate of witchcraft execution, while Ireland had the lowest. Modern historians have chalked up the high death rate in Germany to to a case of bad weather. Across Europe, weather suddenly got wetter and colder, a phenomenon known as the Little Ice Age that pelted villages with freak frosts, floods, hailstorms, and plagues of mice and caterpillars. Witch hunts tended to correspond with these ecological disasters and crop failure, along with the accompanying problems of famine, inflation, and disease. When the going got tough, witches made for a convenient scapegoat. An alternative theory suggests that the Catholic and Protestant religions were vying for more bodies and pews with the promise of salvation from the evils on earth, which includes witches. Therefore, witch hunting became a prime service for attracting and appeasing the masses by demonstrating their Satan-fighting prowess. But how could one be sure that they were accusing the right person? Well, the Malleus Maleficarum also was helpful in describing how men and women became inclined to practice witchcraft. The text argued that women were more susceptible to demonic temptations because of the manifold weakness of their sex. Yeah, I mean, makes sense. It was also believed- I'm kidding, that's a joke, don't come for me. It was also believed that they were weaker in faith and more carnal than men, meaning that they were more horny. Hmm, I have heard that before. Women are, quote, prone to believing, and because the demon basically seeks to corrupt the faith, he assails them in particular. They also have a temperament towards the flux, loose tongues, and they are defective in all of the powers of both soul and body, and are more lustful than men. Yeah, I mean, this I, this all makes sense, you know? It's, uh, um, honestly, they're starting to convert me to believing all this, you know, <laughs> just by what you're telling me here. Most of the women accused as witches had strong personalities and were known to defy convention by overstepping the lines of proper female decorum. The authors use a metaphor in the book of a world turned upside down by women, of which concubines are the most wicked, followed by midwives, and then by wives who dominate their husbands. Hmm. Which you might have some experience with. (laughs) Just kidding, I don't dominate you. No. (laughs) I am a strong man. (laughs) 
They warn of imminent arrival of the apocalypse foretold in the Bible and that men risk bewitchment that leads to impotence and the sensation of castration. Oh no! Can you imagine just like the apocalypse is coming? But it really only affects men because they're going to feel like either they can't get it up or that they're being castrated. <laughs> that's what their apocalypse is. Well, that's the worst kind of apocalypse. I don't want to I don't want to live in that world. Finally, the authors give this this advice on how a woman can avoid becoming a witch. They must embrace a life of devout chastity in a religious retreat. But the monastic life is reserved to the spiritually gifted few. Therefore, most women are doomed to become witches who cannot be redeemed, and the only recourse open to the authorities is to ferret out and exterminate all witches. So basically, unless you can become a nun, you're basically going to become a witch, and then you should be killed. Well, shit. So don't worry, men could be witches too. Okay. However, they were considered more rare, and the reasons they became a witch were different than that of the woman's. The most common form of male witch mentioned in the Malleus is the sorcerer archer. And I couldn't find any more information on that, but I like that idea. So the book is unclear here, but it seems that the male's reason to become a witch is based on the desire for power rather than from a lack of faith or lust, as is the case for women. We do love our power. Mm-hmm. So don't go thinking it was just the Malleus that held these opinions. No, in fact, the misogyny that appeared in the Malleus Maleficarum was indicative of many scholarly beliefs at this time. However, despite the misogyny that did exist... The fear of Satan and his power on earth was really the driving force for the witch hunts at this time. The belief in the devil and his central role in witchcraft beliefs made the Western tradition unique and was an absolute reality in all levels of society. The devil was deeply and widely feared as the greatest enemy of Christ, keenly intent on destroying soul, life, family, community, church, and state. Witches were considered Satan's followers, members of an anti-church and an anti-state, and therefore the sworn enemies of Christian society. The witch hunts and trials began to decline across much of Europe by the mid-17th century, although they did continue to an extent on the fringes of Europe and in the American colonies. There are many theories as to why they began to disappear, such as a change in worldview, or because clergy and intellectuals began to speak out against them. One thing to remember, however, is that the witch hunts were products of a prevailing worldview that belonged to intelligent, educated, experienced people for more than three centuries. So Dakota, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, that was fairly interesting. I, um, you know, I, I liked the, I mean, you know, I liked the wet dream stuff that would like, you know, if, if I'm like, oh, what topic do I want to learn about wet dreams? Number, number one. I remember, <laughs> actually, this is kind of funny. I remember, um, when I, when we were younger, um, I, I said a, a mean thing to my sister, my younger sister, and her comeback to me was, yeah, well, you're going to have wet dreams. Maybe it, she's a witch. <gasps> Maybe. She was trying to curse you. Maybe. She cursed me. <laughs> this, is a weird, this is a weird one. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah, just found it interesting. Just the wet dreams. Just, just the wet dream part. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So I'm going to give this 8.3 wet dreams out of 10. Okay. I'm too hungover to, like, fight you. <laughs> Thank God. Man, you should, you should drink every Saturday night. <laughs> yeah. So that's all we have for this week. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us. If you enjoyed listening to what we had to say, please download our podcast from wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review or tell your friends about us. 
Indie podcasts really grow through word of mouth. If you want to stay in contact or see behind-the-scenes action, you can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian, or you can follow us on Facebook at The Reluctant Historian Podcast. You can also shoot us an email with future show ideas or corrections you may have noted. You can email us at thereluctanthistorian at gmail.com. So, we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. And that wet dream trap is patented, just so you know. I'm patenting it before this episode comes out, so no bitches can steal my idea. 